Acknowledging your enoughness, silencing the fear of rejection, and giving yourself permission to speak kindly to yourself are great starting points in your self-love journey. Getting back to focusing on your truths can put those inner gremlins to rest. I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf, and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all, soon to be on Amazon November 2022. With me today is Bree Williams, who's an international speaker and speaking strategist. She helps leaders develop unshakable speaking confidence, preparing for international media coverage, high-stake meetings, keynotes, podcasts, and summits. Bree founded How to Present and Professional Speakers Academy. On today's episode, Bree will share the benefits of putting yourself first in challenging situations, how to jump into the unknown with positivity at your side, and realizing that you are, in fact, enough. Let's get started and enjoy the show. Bree, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to not just talk about our inner voice, but our outer voice as well. So happy to be here with you and your audience. And of course, both of those voices can be pretty loud at times. (laughs) Yeah, which that's essentially what I want to start right from the get-go. I know your expertise and specialty is around helping individuals transform their speech, their keynote, their pitches. So what I want to know is as you start to prepare those high-achieving individuals to step into transforming that voice, do you ever hear what their inner voice is saying to themselves? Oh, absolutely. And I think the first thing to say is that often high-performing women and individuals, they have high expectations. Mm. That's part of the reason why they got to that high-performance person that they are, right? So high expectations can come with some pretty hefty internal inner dialogue. And when it comes to speaking, I think the thing that I hear most often as a starting point with the women that I work with is that they do have this sense of waiting to be found out, a little bit of the who am I to stand up and speak about this? I'm not really sure why I've been chosen or why I've been asked to speak on this panel as a quote unquote expert, they really do struggle sometimes with the labeling of expert and also what it is um, that they can bring to the table in terms of the conversation, even though they've got the title and the expertise and all of the things and the stories and the examples and the data and all the things that they can bring to the table. I think it's important to know for anyone at any stage in their career that no matter who you work with and no matter what level they've, they've achieved in your eyes, there are still people that really struggle with that inner dialogue um, at any stage of their career. It's so fascinating where you could have all of the credentials, all of the degrees, and yet you're getting ready to sit on that panel and those same inner thoughts are just going through and that voice can beat you up. Now, you work with both men and women. Do you notice a difference between how women versus men choose to speak to themselves and maybe even how they beat themselves up? So my experience or my perspective comes from working for around 16 years in different corporate functions. So recruitment, talent management, and organizing training programs, learning and development for graduates, right the way through to exec. So I really have seen quite a 
few different examples. And I will say, most of my experience has been working for American companies, but with a global reach. You know, I really have seen this lots of different locations around the world and in different stages of people's careers. That backstory aside, what I would say is that we tend to see and that women go further in their career with that voice in their mind still ever present. I would say at some point that the the males that I have worked with tend to have a different communication challenges to overcome um, than the women in um, emerging leadership positions. And typically we work on things like the stories that we tell ourselves and therefore the stories that we're comfortable and confident to share in different environments, in different scenarios, and also vocal tech. So the actual vocal um, necessities, if you like, to literally be heard in terms of volume, projection, the breathing that comes along with feeling like you're sitting there as an imposter at the table, you know, this shallow kind of up here breathing. There are definite differences. Um, and of course, everybody, male or female, can have their own experience of, um, of feeling as though they're going to get found out. But having worked with many women in that scenario, I would say that typically we're still seeing this into the high reaches of leadership um, within organizations and also women running their own businesses. It's interesting that you said women take it further into their career. And so trying to navigate that inner voice, what would you say is a common thread or even a common statement that women tend to hear over and over again, or that story that they tell themselves that gets carried for so long? I would say it's around enoughness. I don't know if I'm enough. I don't know if I'm there yet, or I will be ready once I do X. I'll be ready once I've got more gray hairs, you know, because everyone else at that table, yep. uh, you know, is a white male with gray hair. You know, it may well be, right. I've got to go and get that extra qualification. Everyone around me has the MBA. I'm not going to be okay until I'm also in that same position. So I think it's around this enoughness. And of course, we all have very nasty ways of talking to ourselves and tend to be much harsher critics of ourselves than anyone else would ever dare to be. And so you hear some really strong language in there, depending on, on the person. But I think it really comes back to enoughness. And also fear of rejection, the root of most public speaking fear. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to totally dive into the fear of rejection for a hot second. So, because I know for me, when I first started lecturing, I was always worried that I wasn't going to have the answer. And what I didn't realize at the time was I didn't have to have all the answers. I could always get back to someone, right? I could always say, hey, you know what? Let me grab your email and let me. Do other people feel that same or are there different types of fear of rejection? And what does that look like for high achieving women? I think that's a great example because oftentimes when I'm working with those getting ready for speaking opportunities, they're very often invited to panels. That's a really common Mm. scenario. When they're speaking on panels, it's very much about you're getting asked questions. What do you have to have when you have a question thrown at you? Of course, a perfectly prepared answer. So it is different when you're an educator and you're able to say, you know what, I don't have that right in front of me, but I'm going to grab your email and get back to you. When your sole purpose on a panel is to answer questions, it really can (laughs) provide that panic moment, if you like. I think that when we look at how things are typically prepared in terms of panels, 
we prepare like professionals so that we know by and large what we're going to be asked mm-hmm. quite often an audience question will be aligned something that you were already preparing to speak about or you can connect it to a point that you've already made so there's a number of techniques that people can use but I think that what it comes down to is actually preparing but secondly having the confidence to sit with that discomfort they're throwing a good one at me right now and you can show that on your face you know we're human we're not there as robotic answering machines we're allowed to take a moment and to acknowledge if someone's asked a good question one that's really given us pause for thought and allow yourself a moment to have a think about it and to be human. I think that's one of the most important things that nobody expects. For most people, we're not being broadcast. We're not going to have our answers go out to millions of people right now. Like, calm down. (laughs) It's hard in those moments to gain that perspective, right? When you're just like, oh my goodness, anything that I say could go wrong and fear of rejection, not enough. And then putting yourself in that position and then how do you essentially manage afterwards depending on how you felt so we've talked a lot about others and how you've worked with some incredible people and how they've navigated their voice what I wanted to talk about now is talking about your inner voice at times because it can be a challenge even when we go to help others (laughs) we have our own inner voice at times that can keep us stuck or that can be on repeat like a broken record So is there a time in your life that stands out to you where who I like to call your inner gremlin voice is or was really loud and you're like, why? Why is this happening? And what is going on during that time? I have two very distinct memories. The first was when I was finishing my counseling degree. So I started out studying to be a therapist, actually, and and qualified but at 22 I felt woefully underprepared to help people I actually completely swerved that career and because of the gremlins because I told myself that I was not old enough that I didn't have enough life experience and that it was not possible for me to help someone else and I really did spend four years of my life studying to then have a real doubt that I couldn't shake um, about my own abilities. And so I went into a completely different career path and started out in recruitment, which kind of led to HR, which led to learning development and coaching and all other things. So I'm not regretful around that and, and still have a passion for therapy. I really do wonder what would have happened if I pursued it. And the other was when I started my own business, because of course, um, I love coaching, training, speaking, helping people. Uh, But of course, I did not come out of the womb a digital marketer. So a lot of the gremlins had to do with appearing um, on live video, the visibility element, so that real vulnerability of what will my ex-colleagues think, my family and friends, who does she think she is? All of that stuff really came up for me when I started my own business. And of course, I had to move through that pretty quickly. Otherwise, I was just going to have a very expensive hobby. Yeah, that's truth, right? <laughs> right right. There. Yeah, totally. That's fascinating. And I appreciate you sharing that transition because I think at times when that moment in time where we're questioning, giving ourselves the permission to make that next shift and be okay with it. And a question that you brought up 
that you had asked yourself. And a lot of us tend to do this because I find a lot of my clients and a lot of individuals who just reach out to me on social media is before they can make that next shift into something, that question, that inner gremlin that comes up is, what will others think? What will So what did you do for you in order to answer that question or move through that inner gremlin moment? I worked on failing faster. First, it was really holding me back and speaking to camera, which is funny because I've done so much speaking (laughs) in my career. It's not funny, but the camera lens really did throw me for a loop. I really worked on doing more of it and that sheer repetition of feeling the fear and doing it anyway so that I could create that muscle memory of I'm surviving this. I'm actually okay. And I got to the point where I got the magic of yes. (laughs) You know, I, I actually got people responding to me. I got a lot of positive feedback actually from people who I thought might be judging me even if they judge me silently I didn't care I was just going to take all the positive <laughs> and focus on that and so it was repetition and it was creating that mental shift of surviving from absolute fear to I've survived this to oh hold on this is actually really positive and it went beyond my expectations in terms of what it did for my own self-confidence but also my business how long would you say that that took to fight through that, okay, the alarms, your stressor, your stress response or your flight or fight response going off where your inner gremlin wants to protect you. So how long would you say it took you to shift into that newer mindset? Of, all I'm seeing are the positives. You can go on and you can silently judge me, but I'm going to see all the positives. How long would you say that took? So we're going to count all the procrastination or not? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. We're, we're all about being vulnerable here. So yes, include the procrastination. Totally. All right. So in total procrastination, let's say about four months, but the real process was um, achieved in about five days because I decided I was going to run a challenge where it required me to show up live on camera every day for five days. That sprint, you know, the preparation that I did, I knew what I wanted to say. I knew what the goal was and who I was specifically speaking to and who I really wanted to help. That all I did in advance and the marketing was probably pretty shoddy, but I got about 100 people on this challenge. And so as I was speaking to people on the first day, I thought it was really cool, terrifying, but I can see people are here and it's helping. And then I just started focusing on them answering their questions, thinking about the information that they would need to be able to move through. And really by day five, I was, I did seven days then. So by the fifth day, I was like, well, I can't stop now. (laughs) So I did two bonus days (laughs) of lives because I really was just enthused by it by the end. And so I would say for folks who haven't done a lot of speaking before, you may have a different experience to me. I was coming from a place of being a former educator, having many public speaking opportunities, but it's still entirely possible for anyone to create that kind of sprint environment where they just really knuckle down and get it done. And um, it may be longer, it may be shorter, and it may look different for other people. But I think the lesson there was that I got really prepared and I did it and I focused on helping those were the major shifts that really got me through that yeah after that challenge did friends or family make any negative comments oh my gosh no like you're so brave I could never do that 
and um, that's amazing I'm seeing you everywhere good on you that's so enc- you know that was yeah. so encouraging you know like I said even if they were silently judging anything about what I was saying or my accent or the way I looked I didn't care and mm-hmm. um, as long as they didn't tell me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't like at that bulletproof stage that I feel I'm at now where I can actually take that criticism whereas yeah. before I would have you know, it's still in, in that kind of new confidence, let's call yeah. it. No, I absolutely love that. Cause I think when we swirl in those questions of what will people think, what will my friends say? What will family say? And sharing your experience right now, where again, they can be silently judging, but those initial reactions, no one's just beating you down. No one's tearing you apart. They're there recognizing too, that this is definitely a challenge And especially being brave too, because not everyone can do that. And I think that we discount ourselves when we do put ourselves out there as high achieving women, that we then just assume, well, if I can do it, everyone can do it. And that's what I used to even say about when I got into dental school. I'm like, well, if I can do it, then anyone can do it. And when we go back and really think about it and create a bit of that self-awareness, not everyone can. People may try, but we can also step into our strengths at the same time. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. What would you say is the difference now versus before what your inner gremlin was saying? I think now it's a bit more specific. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Before it was kind of a globalized fear of certain things, whereas now I have a different skill level and a different experience level. Now I'm picking on certain things. But I think it's important to recognize that we need to be kind to ourselves. I was having a chat with an organization that I'm going to be doing a talk for in a couple of weeks' time, and we were talking about finding your inner gold and being able to genuinely start with kindness when it comes to yourself, that we often beat ourselves up. And if we stop for just a moment and try to see ourselves through other people's eyes, we would be amazed what we're able to achieve, the resilience that we've um, developed through different experiences in our life. I mean, everybody has that kind of common experience of COVID over the last few years, but genuinely personal and professional resilience and the strengths that we have and also that we have areas to develop into. But if we have self-awareness, then we're already subconsciously training our sights on what we want to do next, this continuous self-improvement and learning. So I've forgotten what the question was now because I'm getting excited about gold. I do get really passionate about helping hold the mirror up and see it for themselves because mm. genuinely everybody has it yeah. and most people can't see it. Oh, how do you give someone permission or even yourself to speak kinder? words I think permission is a massive thing and often we look to other people to give it so if anybody is listening right now I want to give your listener permission to take a moment to just think kindly about themselves for even a minute if that feels like a stretch you know just really sit into that quietly and think about what you've done lately and if you can't think of a recent example go back to a strong memory a a time where you really did feel as though you were living as your best version of yourself. We all have these things within us that we know to be true, even when the gremlins are trying to attack us. I try and get back to what those truths are, what we really do know to be true about ourselves, even though we sometimes sabotage ourselves. 
This has been absolutely amazing and such powerful words because even taking those few moments, I don't think we give ourselves that opportunity because it's really easy to remind ourselves where we're lacking or where we need to do better. But reminding ourselves that we're pretty good at what we've done and leaning into that strong memory is so important. So what is such a great reminder Is there anything else you would want to leave these high achieving women with any last final words? An encouragement to search for your voice, to share your voice. Your voice is an incredibly powerful tool and we have simply no idea how much using and sharing our voice can help other people. And so even though we may not feel the bravery at certain times, just to know that by sharing your own experience, your own expertise, you know, great ideas, these help other people. So that sharing not only helps you feel better about yourself, but it's going to help someone else as well. So just to take the time to find your own voice in your um, professional or your business life. What a joy to have Brie on the podcast. Her point of view and shares gives us the opportunity to reflect and gather on how to add this to your day-to-day or challenging moments in life. Being self-aware to see your areas in need of growth may be actually easier than you think. Key takeaways from today. One, choose positive words to say over the fears that limit you. Realizing that you are way harder on yourself than anyone else would ever dare to be and learning to speak kinder to yourself might be the key that opens up your door to your untapped potential. Two, acknowledge that you are enough. I want to add one more thing. I dislike the word enough. The word enough means that something potentially is lacking and that can have an impact on how we view ourselves. Try removing the word enough when you are speaking words of affirmation. Instead of saying I am good enough, finish the sentence at good. I am good, period. Every episode will have a reflection question, and this is yours for today. What changes in you when you remove the word enough? When you have found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at drjessicametcalfe.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. And when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself, would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening.